If you're not fishing, then you're not following. If you call yourselves a Christ follower, then the great commission, as we know it, go and make disciples of all nations, requires action, movement, and going. Here are a few ways that grace is going and fulfilling the great commission right here with people that call themselves grace community attendees. We play games, we do fun stuff with them, we give out prizes and candy at the end, and it's pretty, pretty fun. The kids just love it. John and I kind of speak um, in front of everyone and tell our story for the day, and then we all have a staff almost of, of teenagers and young people who um, lead small groups, at, um, and they have discussion. Um, you know, there's been days when we give the message and, like, we'll have, you know, quite a few kids come forward or um, pray with their leaders in their small groups, and it's just been really neat. There was one time in particular that we had a girl, and she happened to be in my group, and she wanted to ask Jesus to be her forever friend, and then we took her through all the steps of that. That was a really neat opportunity to take her all the way through the gospel and then see her accept Jesus at the end. It was really cool. If it weren't for Club Kid City, then I wouldn't be fulfilling the calling that, that God gave me to um, just invest in kids. Anytime somebody's pouring their heart out into you, you know, and it's in the center of it's God, you know, that's going to bring about change in anybody's life. High Five Camp is like a sports camp, an art camp, uh, with the basis of God being the center of it. So it's not really about the sports, it's about, you know, bringing kids to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. It was so simple, so easy, it was such a great atmosphere to do this, you know, and, and I heard a couple of the guys, yeah, you know, they would, at the end of the night, they would give, you know, sort of a short testimony or whatever, and he was, he was the other football coach, or one of the other football coaches, and he was like, you know, I don't care about football, I'm just here for the kids, you know, and that, that just ministered to me, you know, I'm, I'm the same way, I'm not really, you know, athletic or anything like that, but there's just an opportunity to share, you know, the love of Jesus Christ to the kids, and that's, that's the main thing. If it wasn't for High Five Camp, I would have missed out on 67 kids dedicating to their dedicating their life to Jesus Christ for the first time, and like 55 or something like that rededicating to Jesus. And I'm glad I didn't miss that. That was awesome. I went there because um, I wanted to help people know Christ, and I wanted to. Um, just see what it was like in a different community. There was a lot of people who didn't know God, so they were, I heard about, like, there had been a lot of shootings in places that we went to, and a lot of drug dealers. We went to this block, and we were talking to some people, and she was just walking by and we stopped her and we were like, do you know about God? And she's like, not really. Um, she wanted me to tell her about who Jesus was, what he does, um, and what he's done in my life. Um, I got to tell her about that. 
while we were praying, she eventually said that she wanted God to take over her life and to live within her. And she repented, and hopefully she is living for God. It was a very poor area, probably the poorest county, one of the poorest counties in the country and the poorest county in the state of Kentucky. The basic reason for going down there was uh, to assist the local church there in Hyden, Kentucky, and uh, do uh, uh, work projects that they had set up around the church with the kids, and also to uh, spread the spread the gospel throughout the uh, community. Every every night we had a Bible study where we uh, went throughout the neighborhoods and picked up the children and brought them in for Bible studies, and some adults brought into the church too for Bible studies, and. Uh, the kids loved them. Uh, the kids from Hyden, Kentucky really loved the youth group uh, volunteers. And I just could not believe how well they could get along with those kids and how they, uh, uh, how they connected with the children. I'm 60 years old now. And I was afraid my age may be a stumbling block as far as connecting with the youth of the Axis group due to their age. Uh, which I found out was totally inaccurate. That was not the case. What I really took out of that ex experience was uh, a totally different outlook on the youth of, of this generation. Uh, their work ethic, their, their Christian attitudes, and their ability to uh, spread the gospel throughout the community just uh, just floored me. I had a whole different uh, a whole different outlook of the youth nowadays from other experiences, but uh, they totally changed my mind, and I really enjoyed working with all of them. God said go, and he's called us to go, and there's many ways for us to go, and we're going to look at a few more of those today. I want you to grab your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 28, and let's just see where this go commission began. If you need a Bible, hold your hand up. And Usher will put it in your hand. But I encourage you to turn to Matthew chapter 28. It's the first book of the New Testament. And I want you to turn to verses 16 through 20. Matthew 28, verses 16 to 20. And when you find that, I want you to stand. We're going to read it out loud together. Matthew 28, verses 16 to 20. Stand with me and we'll read it together. Matthew 28, verses 16 to 20. Let's read it. Ready, read. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw them, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You may have a seat. His unconditional love for us should move us into unconditional service or action. Jesus had just experienced, let's set the context, Jesus had just experienced the most incredible act of sacrificial love. He died on the cross, he was buried in the tomb, he was resurrected, and now we jump in, he's now working his way through Palestine, through Jerusalem, and he's meeting people along the way to show that he was resurrected just prior to him leaving planet earth and going to heaven and ascending to heaven. And so he had just, 
unpack this incredible act of love, unconditional love. And while he's moving, look what happens prior to this great commission. Look at chapter 28 and verses 8 to 10. Just prior to him saying these words, it says this in verse 8. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be what? Afraid. What's the next word after afraid? Go and tell my brothers to what? Go to Galilee. There they will see me. Look again. Then Jesus, verse 10, said to them, do not be afraid. Go and then tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. So Jesus had just risen from the dead, the grave. And now he sees Mary and Mary Magdalene and he tells them. He says, now go tell my disciples, there's 11 of them, tell them to go to Galilee, to the mountain, and I have something for them to hear. They had no idea what that was, nor did they know how, how impactful what Jesus was about to say would be the very words as we know as the Great Commission. So prior to them going, Jesus says, I want to meet you in Galilee. Now let's put some context there. Where they were at right now, as opposed to where they needed to go, was a long ways. In fact, if you look at the the geography of the land and the map of the land, we know from history and historical account that they had to go from this spot where they were meeting Jesus in Jerusalem to an area in Galilee that was 50, 60, and potentially 70 miles away depending upon what route they would take. 50 to 70 miles, in in some cases even 80 miles, from the place they were to go to this mountain. So they had this long, arduous, hot journey. It wasn't summertime, it was springtime, it was in the April. Needless to say, it was very hot. So when these two women came to them, they said, go, they listened. Before the great commission that we read in verses 18 to 20 of going and make disciples of all nations, there were hundreds of little goes. And if they were not already going, then this big go, as we know it today, would have never happened. Jesus told them to go to the mountaintop. I've said this on numerous occasions, but it's worth repeating. Becoming a Christ follower as a man or becoming a Christ follower as a woman isn't a one-time decision. You don't wake up and say, you know what? I'm a Christ follower. Becoming a man of God and a man or woman of God isn't a one-time decision. You don't wake up and say, I'm a man of God. I'm a woman of God. It's the thousands of decisions that you make every day that help you become a man or woman of God. And it's the same way with following God. It wasn't as if they just said, I'm going to follow God the rest of my life. There were already these things in motion. There was already this movement. And so when the girls, ladies came to them and said, go, it was already a product of their life. So these little goes that they were already doing made the big go of the great commission doable. They had already witnessed Christ coming through. So they went and they found the disciples the ladies did and told him to go. They weren't sure why they were supposed to meet Jesus there. And the truth of the matter is, there are only some things that God can teach us on the other side of yes. They weren't certain what would happen on that mountain. They didn't know that that those would be the last words of Jesus. 
And there were even some there that even doubted that it was Jesus, had, that he had rose from the grave. So, but all they knew, Jesus said, go, and it had already been a pattern of life. He wants us to meet us there. I am a Christ follower. In order to follow, you have to follow Jesus. So they took off. Look what, look what it says in Matthew 28 in verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to what? Go. Then when they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. Excited they were and wondering why Jesus would want to meet them on the mountain was primary thoughts that they were thinking. They worshiped him and some doubted. We know who that was. We know that this was an encounter that would change the course of Christian history forever. And so when I read this, I ask myself this question. What if they didn't go when Mary and Mary Magdalene told them to go? Well, how would that have changed the whole course of human history and Christianity if they weren't already going? You see, it's those little goes that are built into our lives. The spirit speaks, go. Spirit speaks, I go. And you just move along, which allowed them to meet Jesus on this mountaintop in Galilee. When Jesus saw them, he, had some, he said something to them, something which would change the course of human history forever. He said to them the words which have come to us as the mantra of our faith, go and make disciples of all nations. 2,000 years ago, the words that Jesus gave them were ready to be received by a willing group of Christ followers who had already been going. It's the mantra of parachurch organization. It's the mantra of, of denomination. It's the mantra, hopefully, of Grace Community Church. Go and make disciples of all nations. It's our great commission that's placed on us, those of us who call ourselves Christ followers. Listen to me, though. If they didn't go the first time, then the Great Commission as we know it might have never reached us. What might have happened if they didn't go? What might have happened if they didn't go and listen to Jesus and once they got there? What might have happened if they didn't go and tell the gospel to the nations? Then you and I wouldn't know. Listen, Someone won't know Jesus unless another person goes. So in order for them to know, you got to go. What would have happened if the disciples, if they heard that message said, that's too big of a mission. Are you kidding me? Reach the nations? Yet they went. And because they went, you and I have the message and the hope of Jesus Christ today. If we stop going, then how will others experience the hope of Christ? We are God's last hope to reach the world for Jesus. So if Jesus was given this great commission, listen to me, all he had left were the disciples. Think about it in the Old Testament. What was Jesus' primary way to say that there was a Messiah that was coming? He used kings, he used priests, he used prophets, he used sacrifices, and these sacrifices were lambs and these unblemished animals. And so they would sacrifice them as an offering to God and they would say, hey, one day there will be a sacrifice that'll cover the sins and it's called a Messiah. And so there were always these things in the Old Testament that were pointing people to this Messiah. So prophets would come and speak and that was the message. They, the, the Redeemer is coming. So 
Old Testament, prophets, priests, kings, sacrifices. Jesus was coming. He used all that. And so Jesus comes. We know it as Christmas. He shows up. God in flesh. He moves into the neighborhood. And for 30 years, he grows. In the last three years of his life, he's on mission. So Jesus is now there like... The picture of the gospel in flesh and blood is walking around. It's like, boy, there it is. Here he is. So you had Old Testament prophet, priests, and kings to share the gospel. Now Jesus is here. Like, it can't get much better than that, can it? But he leaves planet Earth, and you know who's left to take the gospel to the nations? It's us. We're his last hope. You and me. And if we don't tell them, who will? There's nothing else. Old Testament is gone. Jesus has already been here and now it's us. And so the great commission is as applicable today as it's ever been. These disciples stepped out in faith. If you aren't following already, then you aren't getting the marching orders of go and make disciples. You see, way too many Christ followers have stopped following and have spent their weeks sitting. Hear me out. Jesus came to them after they went to him. Look at verse 18. I love this picture here. Look at verse 18 of chapter 28. Then Jesus came to them. When did he come to them? After they went, after they showed up. It's this picture when Jesus gave them marching orders, they wouldn't have gotten his presence, his, his, his actual words had they not went. He showed up after they said yes. If we don't go, then who will go? You see, we are equipped to do the work of God by the Holy Spirit. He has equipped us in every way. People will often say, look, I, I, I can't do this. I can't do that. I'm not capable. Listen to me. You have the living God living in you. And if he, you think he's not capable, then you need to read the word of God more and more and more because the pages are littered that we've been equipped in every way to present the gospel to the nations. You already have what it takes. God is not looking for all stars, but all to start. Sometimes you think, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I don't have these skills and abilities. I'm not like him. I'm not like her. Listen, God's not looking for a bunch of all-stars. He's looking for all of us to start. So we need to start. We need to go. And as you go, you rely upon the spirit. You step out and there are incredible things that he can teach you on the other side of going. Let me show you a few of these. Take a look of Gracies who are continually going and taking the gospel to the nations. They have a hard time forgiving themselves, I would say. They have a hard time of understanding that, hey, you have a fresh start in Christ. It's really neat to me to be in the jail um, and to just see how... It's very simple just to see how God penetrates those walls and his presence just comes into that room. And within five minutes, you don't even realize you're in the jail anymore. You feel like you're, you're having church, you know, just with a group full of guys. A couple Tuesdays ago, we had five guys in the class of 16 accept Christ. And... The one guy just, you know, knelt down and, and just sobbed. And it, I started crying too. It just was heartbreaking 
You know, I'm not sure exactly what he did to get incarcerated, but you know, it just you could really tell that Christ moved in. And sometimes when you witness the people, they smile and walk away, and you see them a week later, there's no change in their life. Just that instant change, the brokenness of this guy, it just it broke my heart. You, you knew, you know, Christ came in, that things had been washed away. He just looked, you know, the countenance on his face, he just looked lighter. And so it was a room full of hugs. A neat God moment for me was seeing um, students for the first time open the Bible and read the Bible for the first time in their lives and hearing them talk about who Jesus is as they read the Bible in their native language. I'm involved in an ESL ministry here at Grace, and so we meet twice a week in the evenings here at Grace Community Church, and we have students coming who know Spanish as their first language, but have a desire to learn English, and so we teach them English. Then we also have an opportunity after class on Thursday for them to stay and participate in a bilingual Bible study for um, those that may have never read the Bible, for them to interact with the Bible and interact with each other about what it says. I love that I'm able to use what I have been trained in in teaching English as a second language um, and also interact um, cross-culturally with those that are in our neighborhoods um, and learn more about them, but then also um, share with them the gospel while meeting a need that they have in learning English. I think my life is different because I've seen how God comes through when we trust Him and walk in obedience and how He can do much more than what we can plan on our own when we involve Him through prayer. If it wasn't for the ESL ministry, then there wouldn't be a community within the students and they wouldn't have the friendships that they have now. Um, I wouldn't have learned how to trust God like I have. Momentum is a youth conference where um, a lot of youth groups and a lot of um, youth in those youth groups come together and uh, learn about Jesus. One night at Momentum, we had, um, it was just a really powerful message. And then it was really quiet in the youth group time, and um, someone shared their you know, a personal testimony, personal story they had. And then after that, it was an explosion of, of stories in their life and how God has moved in their life and struggles they've gone through. And, and it was really amazing how, the, how open everyone was and stuff. And with a group of over 100 kids, it's really, you know, that can be intimidating to talk in front of all those people. But um, it, was, it was really cool to see how close they were and how they shared all their stories and stuff. And we prayed for them so much. And we had, um, I believe, five or six first-time commitments to Christ. And then we had 20-some, um, 20, 20-25 rededications of their life to Christ and stuff. So it was really a powerful week for our youth group. When you go to a different place, it feels you have that mindset, oh, they're going to be so much different, but they're really not. There was this one man, he was, he had this really cool jewelry shop and like a little mini mall, and he and his family, they picked up everything and they moved over to America. And um, they trusted in God, which helped them to make the move, which was cool. 
work at a tanning salon and I tried to get my shift covered for December 13th and I couldn't get my shift covered and I truly believe that I was supposed to be there. Just a couple days before that, my son, my 11-year-old son tried to commit suicide and he went from Elkhart Hospital to um, Plymouth, to the Behavioral Center in Plymouth where he could get help. And it was going to be the first time I was going to see him that day. And that when they came in and they handed me a gift bag and thanked me and appreciated me for working. And then um, they asked me at the end of it if there, if there was anything that they could do or pray for me for. And I started to cry and told them what was going on. And for complete strangers to come into my store and make me feel so important and loved. It was beautiful. So. We're seeing the benefits of going. You see in Julie's case, a blitz that we sent out here at Grace at Christmas met her at a crossroads of a very difficult time. Her son trying to commit suicide days prior to that. And a group of people just took a a gift and a love action and then ask her, how can I pray for you? Julie has since been moved by Christ in her heart and she's attending Grace Community. You saw stories of girls and you've seen stories of older men. You've seen stories of all ages of people here at Grace that are stepping out and are going. Christ has called us to go. And God is looking for you and I to fulfill that great commission. Because if we don't go, people won't know. And so sometimes you walk into here on a Sunday and you come Sunday after Sunday. And I just have to ask this question. How are you going? Is your life all wrapped around you and your goals? Are you sharing the love of Christ and you're going? Are you fulfilling the great commission by stepping out and following Christ instead of following your own agenda, your own thing? Are you taking Christ to the nations like he has asked us to go? The good news is this, is that we don't have to go alone. You are not going alone. Look what Jesus said as he talked to these disciples who were perplexed, like trying to figure this out. Verse 19, he says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end end of the age. Look again. And surely I am with you always to the very end of this age. I love that word surely. It's not one that we use very often in our English language. And I love when I look at scripture, I look at the nuances of words and I love looking at this great commission because there's only one verb in this whole great commission, the word go. The rest of the many of the words that we see there are participles. And so the, the, the action word that's listed there is go, but this big go was, was, was one in which the disciples had already been doing with little goes. The, the Mary and Mary Magdalene came and go, and they went because Jesus had commanded them to go. And now he's saying go. And so there's this beautiful picture as, as God is looking at his disciples. And I have to wonder what look was on their face. They had to have been perplexed because he says, surely. How often do you use that word? Surely. Louis says, and surely... I am with you. Why did he say that? Because he probably saw faces of 11 men thinking, how in the world are we going to reach the whole nation? Don't you know who we are? Like, 
I'm a common fisherman. I'm a carpenter. I haven't, I haven't been on the other side of it. How can I reach all the other nations as a Jewish person? How is it possible for me to do that, God? And so he looks at them and there was this probably this perplexed look on their face and they were trying and he said, surely it's okay. You can do this because I am with you. It reminds me of when someone cast a compelling vision and we get really excited about it as a group, maybe in clapping and shouting, amen. And then the person speaking stops his talks and says, you will be the one to make it happen. Have you ever been there when someone has, has, has shared this compelling vision? It's like, yeah, we can do that. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, and you're clapping and amen. And then he looks at you and says, you go. Wait a minute. You go. You go. You go. Like, how can I do that? It's like, yeah, you all go. But me? I kind of get that that feeling as I'm reading this. Like these disciples were like, are you kidding me? How in the world, when you're leaving us and you're leaving planet Earth, you're expecting us. But he says, but surely I am with you. Why? Because he probably saw fear in their eyes. But he reminded them that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords would go with them wherever they went, even to the end of this age. It is because of who he is and what he has accomplished that we can take the gospel to the nations. Because he has all authority. That's exactly what Jesus is saying here. However, we let fear keep us from going. How many parents do you know in this room that haven't sent their kids to Chicago, that haven't sent their kids to Philadelphia, that haven't sent their kids to Momentum, that haven't allowed their kids to be part of ministry because of the fear, will they be okay? Listen, don't let fear railroad your going. God is with you and he's with your kids. Can I get like two amens out of that? You see, fear... It's the primary thing that keeps us from going. And so God is saying in this great commission, listen, I am with you. You see, but the enemy comes with these voices that says, you're too old. Your best days are behind you. You're not smart enough. You don't know the Bible good enough. And I often want to pause and say, are you kidding me? The Holy Spirit lives in you. If you got a question, just ask him. Or the classic line of the enemy, the fear that comes, it says, you are a hypocrite. You are loaded with too much baggage. People saw you when you failed at the workplace. They heard you cuss. How could you tell someone about Jesus where you go to them and you tell them this? You tell them that by the grace of Jesus Christ, I've been forgiven and I move on. I don't need to belong and be that person. I'm pressing on and the same God that rescued me and forgave me of that can forgive you too. You see, we let these lies of the enemy keep us and define us. Listen, even our temptations, sometimes we, we have these voices and, and these temptations that come and we let temptation destroy our faith. You're not defined by your temptations. You're defined by your identity in Jesus Christ. So when Jesus comes, if he says go, then we should go. You can say that I go in the name and the power and authority of Jesus Christ. And he, his last words, his final words on earth, 
He tells him, and surely I am with you always to the very end of this age. So he looked at these 11 disciples and he said, go. And let me tell you something. And they went, if they didn't go, then we wouldn't know today. We must go. And when we go, there are things that God teaches us and teaches others in the name of Jesus Christ is proclaimed to the nations. Watch on. Look how grace is continually to go. Sometimes a situation demands action. There is no good in ISIS. Zero. This isn't an army or a group that's fighting for freedom or equality. It's just the opposite. They're fighting for repression and control. And you either believe their way or you die. The, the first team that went over, I looked around that group and I saw all the individual gifts and I looked at myself and I thought, what the heck are you doing with these talented guys? And I spent a lot of that trip feeling a subpar, like, man, what am I bringing to this group? And I, I don't know if it's always what you bring to the group or what talent you have, but it's, you know, I, I'm reminded back in the Old Testament of who God used. And it was then just taking the mindset of, I don't know what talents I have, but I'm just going to do what God asked to do. We traveled up to Dehook. And we would come to a checkpoint and you would have military men with, with automatic weapons and they would lean in the car and they would look at this van full of Americans and they would say, uh, are you Christian? Are you American? And you had to answer yes. And when you did, go on. And I was like, man, that's God. Yes, we've done housing. Uh, we've done food. We've helped establish churches there through through the pastor there now. So we're we're meeting spiritual needs. We've had you know teams go over and take medical into the Peshmergas. It's 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 endless the effect Grace is having over there. I want to keep us focused on them. I don't want them. I don't want us to think we're done. I don't want us to think we're eighty percent done. You know what? We're two percent done right now. We have a lot more to do. And we've got to hold on to this vision as long as God has called us towards it. And I think we need to focus our efforts and go at it wholeheartedly. And, and remember, this is what God wants. This isn't what grace wants. This isn't what the pastors want or it's not what I want. This is what God is calling us to do right now. And that's a huge responsibility. Huge. I get to ride a motorcycle a lot and I get to hang out with other dudes who like to ride and like to have a good time together. FCMC, the FC stands for Free Christian. Uh, we based it on uh, Galatians 5.1 where we're told that we're supposed to live in freedom and not in bondage. And um, So yeah, we felt like uh, we had an opportunity to bridge into the community and kind of take that freedom and show people what that what that looks like something different than a lot of people are used to um there's a sense of brotherhood that um has that drew me in um it's just a deep connection of living in biblical community and sharpening each other uh, pulling the best out of each other we go into the darkest of dark places and 
would try to take Jesus and, and a light into those environments. Um, you know, first thing that pops into my head is a place like Summerfest, a, par- uh, a biker party weekend where a lot of darkness, a lot of um, sin and, and things going on. But in the midst of all of that, there's this group of 30 people who are trying to bring Jesus and are trying to be light and are trying to serve and trying to help in whatever way we can. And it's made a difference. Like we've seen that difference. We've seen people act differently because of the light that we bring into an environment like that. And so as you heard Brandon talk, uh, the FCMC motorcycle ministry team is an example of what we're calling field focus teams here at Grace Community Church. You see that we uh, mobilize our church family to the community through blitzes. Those are things that we do in, in mass together, large, large numbers of us going out into the community. Field focus teams are a narrowing down, a, a, a fine-tuning of the same principles of blitz into smaller groupings of people who have uh, different affinities for things. Uh, we all talk about being on mission in our workplace. We talk about being on mission in our neighborhood. Field focus teams are opportunities for you to be on mission in some sort of recreational or hobby activity that you enjoy. As Brandon likes to ride motorcycle and is grouped together with other guys who enjoy riding motorcycles, he's now taken that that love and that gift from God and become intentional about it out in the community to reach other motorcyclists for Christ. The same opportunity is true whether it's our Safe Haven Amish outreach or our ESL program uh, or uh, other opportunities and activities that we've done here at Grace. For example, recently we had the New Paris uh, Speedway Blitz. It was a huge success. It left a tremendous impact on that community of people who are regularly out there at the track uh, throughout the summer. We'd love to start a field focus team that uh, spends time out there on mission at that track with regularity, getting to know the people who race there, who manage the facility, who work the grounds. In fact, even working up to the point of serving there and becoming an integral part of what goes on at the racetrack, all the while doing so on mission for Christ. We could have dozens and dozens of field focus teams based on the recreational or hobby interests of the people here at Grace. People who run, people who ride bicycles, people who like drag racing cars. Uh, the, the, the possibilities are endless. It's all about calling. It's all about a sense of understanding that the things that you love to do, God put that there in your heart. And if you'll group together with others who enjoy the same activity and form a team and begin to pray and ask God how he might use you to be on mission in the community to reach others who enjoy that same activity, you might be surprised what would happen and people would come to Christ. God said go. God said go. God said go. God said go. I went. I went. Grace Community came to me. I went. How will you go? Now how will you go? How will you go? How will you go? Grace Community Church is going. How will you go with us? How how will you go?
This is such a good day for us. It's such a, you know, for me to be able to stand here in the midst of all this and to look out there and think that, wow, you get it. I'm proud to be the pastor of Grace Community Church today. But here's what I know. There are so many people who need reached. Jesus' great commission was go and reach, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to deserve of all things just as I have commanded you. You have hobbies. You have interests. Like Ted said, you have these things in your life that you just like to do. Like some of you enjoy stamp collecting. Some of you enjoy crafting. Some of you, some of you enjoy boating on the river. Some of you love camping. And so our, 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 our calling on our lives is we like those things, but we're supposed to be in our going, taking Christ there, infiltrate ourselves and plant ourselves into the culture and the ground of this like inside of us. And so the question is, are you going or have you been seated for the majority of your life? In the bulletin, don't look there right now, are all kinds of examples. And week after week, we, we give you opportunities for blitzes. We give you opportunities to, to serve and go and go. If you call yourself a Christ follower, then you must be going. And the going must be following Jesus. So what are some simple ways to get prepared to give an answer to anyone asked with gentleness and respect? If you call yourself a Christ follower, listen to me, a Christ follower, and you're willing to give an answer to anyone who asks, then that means not only across the street, but around the world. I think it is imperative if you call yourself a Christ follower to have a passport that's ready. If you call yourself a Christ follower and you're not passport ready to go to the ends and the othermost parts of the world, then I believe in my heart, then you fully haven't prepared yourself to go. What if something happened this week and we needed to send someone to the uttermost parts of the world? You could disqualify yourself because you're not ready. How else can you be ready? If you love Grace Community and the ministry here and you support it, and this is what you call home, listen to me, you should own a Blue Crew shirt. You should. If you don't own a Blue Crew shirt, then you're not ready. I can't tell you the number of times that we've sent out blitzes, number of times that we're ready to go and serve, and we ask, wear the Blue Crew, that people can't go because they don't have a shirt. Listen, buy one, be ready to go. So what's it mean from here? What, what, do we, what do we do now that we've heard this? How do we leave here? I believe you go home today and you pull away by yourself and you ask yourself some questions. Lord, how am I going? What am I doing to take the gospel to the nations? It starts with you and your family. And I believe the best way to do it is to go home and tell your story to your family Tell your story of how Christ has impacted your life. Tell them, tell someone else. And then pray and ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, show me. And when that prompting of the Spirit comes and you know when it is, don't let fear stop you. If you call yourself a Christ follower, then you 
better go. Lord, help us today. Help us, God, please. I pray for the first time for many of us that we would step into this movement of Jesus Christ of going and that we would use our gifts, skills, and abilities and interests and talents and likes to serve you and tell others. I pray, God, that we would fulfill the great commission and go and make disciples. Lord, use us. Here we are, God. Send us. In Jesus' name, amen. Go. See you next week.